0: So we are uh, wrapping up a series today called Talking About Jesus at Christmas. It's been a short series, three weeks. The first week we answered the question, who does what uh, in evangelism? What's God's role? What's my role? What's their role? Uh, we were looking at uh, the Philip the Evangelist and sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And then last week, Pastor James talked about the come-and-see method of evangelism, which probably most people throughout history have been one to the Lord through a come-and-see approach. Uh, Come. I I don't have all the answers. I can't can't answer all your objections, but just come and see. And all you've got to have is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can employ the come-and-see method. Uh, the first day you become a Christian, and it's very it's very effective and powerful. And this week we're going to be uh, talking very uh, practically about how to turn a conversation uh, into a divine encounter, how to begin talking about Jesus. But before we get there, let's remind ourselves of the uh, importance of an evangelistic mindset. If you're going to be involved in sharing, your faith. If you're going to be talking about Jesus, uh, it all starts with a, a particular mindset, and uh, I have it kind of in th- three sections. First off, it, you've got you've got to have a mindset that says God is working in a lot of people around me. Our memory verse this month: uh, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few." Do we really believe that, or do we do we have a poverty or a plenty mindset? And a poverty mindset. You're sitting in class and you're looking around at your classmates and you're thinking, I doubt many, if anyone here would actually want to talk about Jesus. Uh, Or you're you're at work and you're looking around at your colleagues and you're thinking, God's not working in anybody's life here. (laughs) They're just dead. And so why bother? And, And if you have a poverty mindset, you will not have expectation that God's going to do anything. And if you don't If you don't have expectation that God's going to do something cool, then you're probably going to lack motivation, right, to share your faith. Um, And the reason we are doing this series right now, talking about Jesus at Christmas, is because there's probably no season in the year uh, where people are more open to talk about Jesus. Most of us are celebrating his birthday next week, right? Uh, There's a Christ consciousness in our society, and we're thinking, hey, let's capitalize on that. So we have to ask ourselves the question, uh, do I have a poverty or a plenty mindset? And I know that this you know, this is a challenge for me. I so often think to myself, the workers are many, uh, the people interested are few. Now James did mention to us last week that just because the harvest is plentiful doesn't mean that people are going to instantaneously say, I would love to talk with you about Jesus. Or instantaneously be converted. It's not necessarily going to be Quick and easy, but if we will be faithful to the task, then inevitably we will play a role in people coming to faith, and every once in a while we'll get the joy of leading somebody to, to Christ and seeing their eternal destiny change, and that's, that's awesome. So the second key mindset is to say, you know what, I'm the person God might send. Uh, it's easy to, to say, well... God will send somebody else, right? The missionaries, the pastors, those who have more knowledge than I do, those who have been following Christ longer than I have, God will send them. But no, uh, Jesus is sending all of us. And so will we be like Isaiah, who who said, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, if we are going to... If we're going to be praying to the Lord of the harvest earnestly that he'll send out workers into his harvest. Uh, and we're saying, God, I've got this neighbor who needs you. Please send somebody. Right, This person I work next to, they need Jesus. I really, really am earnestly praying that you would send somebody to come talk to them. Right? Or my friend. My friend doesn't know Jesus. Lord, would you please give them another friend? who will talk to them about Jesus. If we are praying earnestly uh, about the, the harvest, right? if we're praying earnestly, uh, how long will it be before God kind of taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, what about you? Right. So will we say, here I am, send me. And the, the, the final mindset is, is one that says, God will create opportunities to, uh, for me to share my faith. God will open doors. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul asked the Colossian Christians, would you pray that God would open doors for me to share the gospel? And God does that. Uh, He's the one uh, most interested in people coming to Christ, and he will orchestrate these divine encounters. The question for us, though, is will we see and seize the opportunities when they arise? God is Making these uh, opportunities available to us, but will we see them and seize them? And there we go. Will we have our eyes open? And when will we have a will? So that's the mindset. And uh, I ask you right now: to which uh, which mindset do you feel challenged on? Uh, because it all starts it all starts up here. So is there a mind shift that the Lord wants to work in you? Our Bible uh, text for today is Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walk in wisdom toward outsider. Outsiders are non-Christians, those outside the church, those who are not yet uh, part of Christ's kingdom. Now, it's uh, we have to be told to walk in wisdom because it's easy to walk in foolishness toward the outsider. Now, what, what is that? Well, I think... Uh, it's, it's wasting the time, not seeing and seizing the opportunities God gives us. Because he, he clarifies, right? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. God is giving you opportunities to have spiritual influence on uh, the non-Christian friends and coworkers and neighbors and family that we have. But let's see and seize the opportunities. Don't waste your time. And boy, I, this convicts me. I think about you know when I was in college. And I was living with non-Christians and going to class with them and, and be, uh, wrestling with them and, and eating all my meals with them. And, and how many times I squandered the opportunities that the, the Lord put before me. And I wasn't doing bad things, but I was, I was not making the best use of, of my time. And I think, man, if I could go back, uh, how, many, how, how much more I would talk about Jesus with my friends. So we we want to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious. Uh, So we've probably all witnessed or experienced uh, evangelism, that has not been gracious, not been tasty, and not been tailored to, you know, the person, right? So here Paul's telling us, look, when you talk with people, when you're sharing uh, your faith, when you're talking with other people about spiritual matters, first of all, it needs to be gracious. And gracious means it's kind and it's considerate. That the person who is is hearing is feeling like uh, there. this person is nice to me. This person is considerate of me. Then it goes on, seasoned with salt. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. We seasoned, we, uh, we use salt to make bland food tasty, right? And so somebody w- who has been talking with us about Jesus should walk away saying, that was a pleasant conversation. I didn't feel attacked. I didn't feel belittled. I didn't feel uh, made fun of. I didn't, uh, I, that was pleasant. I enjoyed that, right? That was a pleasant conversation. And then, uh, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I love that. There's Paul saying there's no one-size-fits-all evangelism, right? People are different. And so how I uh, might share the, my faith with Dee as opposed to Jillian would be uh, very different based on, who they are, so we have to tailor tailor our talk to the individual person. So today is uh, kind of a how-to message, five tips on how to talk about Jesus, and so these are tips to make our conversation gracious, uh, seasoned with salt, and tailored to the person. And I want to recommend to you, if you're interested in this book, uh, in in this topic. A book by Bo crocetto titled Beyond Awkward. <laughs> Beyond Awkward, and you can get it on Amazon. And so uh, I just think he does a really good job um, talking about the process of sharing your faith and, and how to. And so I'm going to take uh, some of the tips from Bo crocetto today. The first tip for talking about Jesus is ask questions. Don't just start sharing. Uh, find out where the person is. So you, you ask questions. Everybody likes to talk about himself or herself, right? We, are, we find ourselves fascinating. Uh, and, and so rarely, if you are genuinely interested and in ask a question uh, for some, to somebody, rarely will they just shut you down. Usually they'll start talking. If they see that you're truly curious... Right? If you're truly curious about somebody, they just love you. Everybody loves to be loved, right? It's true. And, and so um, just ask questions. And as you as you're asking questions, uh, you are what you're doing is you are testing their curiosity quotient. Uh, you're trying to determine, you know how interested is this person in spiritual things? Is God working in their lives? Is God going to be opening a door here for me to, to talk about Jesus? Um, but we don't need to be uh, feeling like we have to push every door. Uh, break, let's not break it open, right? Test the door and uh, see if the Lord opens it. But if it's firmly shut, then we don't need to feel, feel the need to, to break through, right? We're not selling cut Cutco knives. Here are three good questions that we can ask, if you, if you, want, if you want some specific questions. Uh, what are some joys in your life? That's a good, hey, what are some joys in your life? Uh, what's going, what's going, uh, going good? What's going well in your life right now? Most people will, if they think that you truly care, they can, they'll start sharing. Uh, here's another question. What challenges are you facing? What what struggles do you have in your life if if you'd be willing to share that? And then here's the third one. Uh, Tell me, what's your spiritual history? What's your personal um, history with kind of faith and belief in God? These are great questions. Uh, And they're great questions because they often will, those questions will often surface what we call a handle. And the handle is what you can turn to. Open the door, right? Uh, a handle is something that's going on in somebody's life that allows you to turn the conversation to Jesus Christ. It's usually you're listening to their story. They're talking to you. Uh, you're listening to the story, and then you realize, aha, uh-huh, there's something for for which Jesus Christ is the answer. And you can begin to uh, recommend Christ to them in that situation. <clears throat> So let's talk about these, uh, just how this might work with these three questions. Uh, first off, what are some joys in my life? So you're hanging out with a friend and you're like, what's, what's the best thing that's going on in your life right now during this Christmas season? And so they, they talk about uh, a victory that they're having at work or um, reconnecting. They're so excited because uh, their estranged children are coming home for Christmas. Well when somebody shares something uh, good that's going on in your life, it's an easy way for you to uh, celebrate that with them and say, hey, you know, uh, what role do you think God has been playing in making this good thing come about? Or, man, have you, uh, have you thanked the Lord for this good thing? And so as soon as, they, it doesn't matter what they share, but if they're sharing something good in, in their lives, you can ask them, Are, you know, did God bring that about in your life? And and have you, have you been thanking him, or have you thanked him for that? And you might offer to pray right there and say, hey, you want me to pray with you and thank God? They might say, well, I don't know what role, I hadn't thought about that, right? And, and you can go from there. Uh, the second question about what's difficult. Um, if people start to share what's going on, maybe they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm having a difficult time right now in my marriage or work is stressing me out uh or i'm I'm in financial difficulties anytime they any difficult uh, that they share with us uh first off it might open up uh, uh, might open a very practical way for us to be uh show christ's love to them practically but it also uh offers an opportunity to say hey um how do you think God might help you in this situation right it's you just Hey, have you asked the Lord to, uh, to help you patch things up with your spouse? or um, Have you been praying that the Lord would give you a good job take care of finances? No, I hadn't thought about that. Do you think he would really care? Oh, yeah, right? You can offer to pray right then. Would, would you like me to pray with you? And then this, uh, this third question about the spiritual history one. Well, the spiritual history one, If you, if you just keep asking additional follow-up questions, uh, when they when somebody starts telling you their spiritual history, they, they will pretty quickly reveal what what is the current you know obstacle to their faith. you might as you're asking questions, you say clearly it's just that they lack knowledge, right? They just need to they need to actually hear the gospel. Or it could be they know the gospel, but they just don't believe it because they've got some uh, some philosoph- uh, some philosophical, objections that need to actually be answered with, you know, kind of apologetics, or they, they don't like the way that God has run their lives, and they're angry with God, or they've experienced, they've been hurt by Christians, or they've uh, witnessed hypocrisy in the church. It'll come out pretty quickly, and that then allows you to um, kind of tailor the conversation to their particular need, right? So, these are three questions that I, I recommend that you kind of memorize and, and employ. You know, you'll put them in your own language, but uh, these can really surface the handle. And then you, you kind of try the handle. And if the door opens, walk through it. Uh, but again, you don't, if, the, if it's not opening, you don't need to kick the door in, right? Because then people might not feel that that was a gracious, tasty talk. Right, I, I love, I, I like the fact that God doesn't um, ask us to be ogres, right? In this, no, we're to be likable, as Dave said. I like that, moderately likable. What did you? What was your adjective? A reasonably mod. You just got to be reasonably uh, likable. There we go. When you're asking questions, uh, most the the most important thing is you've got to genuinely be curious. People have to feel uh, well. You need to be genuinely curious, and they need to hear that curiosity. If if you're asking a question just so you can get in your two cents, uh, that's not dealing um, lovingly with and with respect towards the other person. And of course, you ask a question, and a, and a handle doesn't service. What do you do? You are going to ask more questions. So, asking good questions. This you, this is. Uh, By the way, this helps with making friends, Uh uh-huh, right? He who has friends must show himself friendly. My mom told me that a long time ago. (laughs) And it works, though, if uh, people are usually interested in people who are interested in them. So ask good questions. Secondly, you find the handle, you you try it out, and if the door opens, then walk through it. Uh, Number three, share your story. We are wired by God to love stories. That's why the Bible is predominantly story. I think 80% of the Bible is story. And uh, that's just the way God's wired us. We learn from stories. We are moved by stories. Tell your story. Nobody can argue with your story. They can simply argue with your interpretation. And then, But every time you tell a story, they're, they're, you know, somebody else is having to ask, Do I believe that? Could that happen to me? And this doesn't have to be the story of how you came to Christ. It just needs to be a story about uh, how your relationship with Jesus is making a difference in your life. I mean, for me, people aren't super compelled by my coming to Christ at age five or six story, right? I have a hard time figuring out the bad things that I was involved in and and making my, you know... (laughs) life was so terrible. I was so far from God. I've had a hard time making that sound really dramatic by age five. But I can talk about how, man, right now I've got back problems and uh, and how life feels far more overwhelming when you're physically in pain and how I'm taking that anxiety about the future and that pain to the Lord regularly in prayer and I'm I don't have any promise of healing, but I have promise that God cares for me and he's got a good plan in front of me. That happened, you know, right now it's happening in my life and that story is powerful. Somebody else hears that and they're like, wow, does God care for me? Can I take my anxieties to him? So, awesome. If you've got a, uh, a great here's how I came to Christ story, share that. Get the most mileage out of it you can, but we all have the here's the difference Jesus is making in my life right now story. So tell your story, and then at some point when when God uh, allows for it, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Now this you, we think to ourselves, this is a big book. How am I supposed to share all the contents of the Bible with to my friend? You don't. The gospel super simple, and here it is in one sentence. This is why John 3.16 is the most famous verse in the Bible and why most of us memorize. If you were grew up in the church, you memorize this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Memorize that verse, and then you just unpack it. For God so loved the world. You could talk about God's great love for us. And uh, it doesn't matter how far, how long, how hard we've run from God. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done, right? God loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, and then, then, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's the identity of Jesus. Jesus is not like other people. Jesus is the son of God. Uh, so you can get into the identity of Jesus. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave... Well, what does that look like? Jesus hung upon the cross, right? He sacrificed himself to pay the penalty for our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So there's the, the reality of death apart from God, and there's the hope or the promise of eternal life. So you can talk about heaven and hell there and, and judgment. And then there is the, uh, the call for whosoever believes in him. So we're invited to believe in him, but we have to make a decision. There's the gospel right there. For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you do that? See, that's, that doesn't require a degree. It's just one verse and then talking a little bit about that. So at some point you've got to share the gospel because they're putting their faith in Someone and in some in a truth, and then finally, uh, we need to invite a response uh, because the gospel calls for decision, and ultimately, that is to repent of our sins and put our faith in god 's Son Jesus Christ, and so we got to call for that decision, but you know what you might in in your conversation, you might decide uh, the response is not. Become a Christian, but maybe you call for a a a, a pre-response response, uh, like, "Hey, would you be willing to um, ask God to help you in this difficult situation?" You know, um, would would what do you think about just saying, "Thank you, Lord, for this joy"? Maybe you don't normally do that, uh, or would you? And so you can. There are lots of responses. It doesn't it doesn't just have to be the response of, uh, you know. Give your life to Christ today. Although that's you know that's the ultimate, uh, but there are lots of other um, responses to God that are super important and help people move uh, toward faith in Christ. Uh, so Bo tells this story, um, and it's a great story. He said he, he joined a volleyball team, and there was a neighbor of his who was on the team as well, and so they started carpooling, and uh, while they're carpooling, one day, the neighbor actually just starts talking about uh, his uh, marriage struggles and and starts to kind of go, go vulnerable. And so, Bo just, he just asked him, hey, you know, have you thought about how God might be able to help you, uh, help your marriage? And the guy said, well, no, I haven't, but you know, I'm interested in God and I just don't know what to... I've never really, I don't know how to pursue that relationship. So he, he kind of set it up, uh, but, and Bo said, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. There's nothing I would rather do than talk to you about uh, how to have a personal relationship with God. and So I'm just going to make myself available to you. And the neighbor said, yeah, we should talk about that sometime. It took over a year of, every week they would go to uh, volleyball, and they would talk about spiritual spiritual things uh, a lot, they were talking about Jesus a lot, and Bo would uh, just remind him every once in a while, you know, we ought to, I would love to have that talk with you, if you're ever interested, oh yeah, yeah, we need to have that talk. He said it took a year before the guy finally uh, came around one day, uh, and uh, he was out in his, in his um, driveway, and the guy came out and said, right now, we've got to have the talk, and he gave his life to the Lord. So, it's not always instantaneous, is it? And we have to to be patient. We have to be patient. So, I have a little uh, diagram up here, a continuum, and uh, find yourself on this continuum. Some of us are timid, right? We will hang out all day with our non-Christian friends and be good friends, but the idea of starting to talk about spiritual things and talking about Jesus... We are so timid. We don't don't go there. And then some of us are are pushy. And uh, we might not always have... Our speech might not always be gracious. It might not always be seasoned with salt. It might not always be tailored to the person right in front of us. Where are you? Well, we want to be right there in the middle. Where we want to be bold... We're not afraid to shy away from having the conversation, but we're also patient, uh, recognizing that uh, uh, people aren't necessarily on our on our time uh, time frame, and so we have to give uh, people we have to be patient with people and God's working in their lives. So find yourself on that continuum. If you are timid, then you need to be um, you need to work on. Proclaiming, talking about Jesus, right? That's your, that's what you need to be asking the Lord to help you on. That's where you need to be taking your risks to open your mouth and start to talk about Jesus. And if you're really, if you're the pushy guy, then you need to focus on presence, being with people, earning the right to be heard, right? So where are you? And where does the Lord want to help you move? I'm going to conclude with this statement. Starting a spiritual conversation is the best way to get someone saved.